are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day you're listening to who? Always wonderful. And might I add, handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got a whole bunch to talk about today. We got some hot stove rumors, of course. We actually saw a big trade go down yesterday. I got a crazy stat to tell you guys about Robbie Ray. I got the AZ sneak pit review ready for Paven Smith. And I want to talk to you guys about my highlight from the Arizona Dimeback season, which might come as a surprise. But first, The holidays are about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, at Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now... Let's get to those hot stove rumors of the day, of course, and let's start it off by talking about not a rumor, but let's actually talk about that trade that happened yesterday, because if you guys didn't see it, Josh Bell, the Pirates first baseman, was traded to the Washington Nationals, and this was a pretty big move because Josh Bell was a pretty high investment for the Pirates. At the time, they gave him the biggest signing bonus ever for a guy drafted in his slot, so They had a lot of investment in Josh Bell, and he was an all-star just last year in 2019. He had 37 bombs last year in 2019, and he batted 277, even had a 367 OBP and 936 OPS. The dude was really good last year. Now, maybe his biggest issue that he strikes out a good amount, struck out 118 times in 2019. But still, when you have a 367 OBP, I think you'll take the good with the bad, but his numbers in 2020 were down just a little bit. He only had eight home runs, which is still pretty solid. Would have been one of the top home run leaders on the D-back still, but 226 average, 305 OPP wasn't too impressive, but the man is still only going to be 28 years old, should be hitting the prime of his career. And for the Pirates, they got back two uh, pitchers, two pitching prospects are considered pretty highly regarded, Will Crow and Eddie Yeen. So for the Pirates, they're, of course, a team that's still trying to rebuild, tr- still trying to build a, a young core and a roster that could be competitive for years to come. Josh Bell was a really nice player for them, but I think they still have a lot of work to do, still have a lot of holes to fill. So they figured Josh Bell trading him could add some more pieces to that team and hopefully some more young pieces that could help grow that team and hopefully be a team like the Houston Astros when they just kept acquiring talent over the years. That KBO shortstop, uh, Kim, apparently is getting multiple offers from multiple teams, uh, and they're talking about maybe the five-year-plus range. So this guy, Kim, signs with a team. It might be for five years or more, and he... Uh, 
I can't blame a team if they want to do that. He has, of course, some risks just because he's coming from the KBO League. You never know how a player might translate. But hey, if he's the next, you know, Ichiro Suzuki or shortstop, I think you're going to look back and not regret that decision. I think he can live up to the expectations. I mean, his numbers in the KBO League are pretty nasty. I looked at them one time, you know, 300 hitter, OBP really high, got some pop too. So I'm really impressed with Kim and 30 home runs, 23 stolen bases. Whoever gets Kim is going to get a steal. I mean, this guy's really a stud. Not sure exactly yet how he will project on the major league level, but I think he could be a borderline all-star once he gets over to the United States. Uh, apparently, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, their talks with the Cardinals have been pretty slow. I think Yadier is going to go back to the St. Louis Cardinals, but he's old, guys. Like, he's near 40 years old. He's, of course, a Hall of Fame catcher, but he just hasn't been the same the last few years, and you, you can't really blame him. It's just father time catching up with the poor guy. I mean, last season in 2020, it wasn't like uh, he had a he, he didn't have a great season. He's still bad at 262, which is pretty solid, but... OBP only 303, only four home runs. He was an all-star just back in 2018, so it wasn't like it was that long ago where he was making a real big of a difference for his team, but he's going to be 38 next season, and on the, you know, a catcher in his late 30s like that, usually uh, it doesn't age too well. Usually, you know, their body starts to go, their bat starts to go. So Yadier, I think he's more of a backup at this point of his career. And I would like to see him go to a competitive team. You know, Cardinals are a competitive team. So if he goes back to the Cardinals, I think that'd be pretty good for that franchise. And then the last rumor I want to talk about today is Trevor Bauer is not considering one-year deals. So if you want Trevor Bauer this season, you're probably going to have to at least give him a three-year deal. I think I'd be more in favor of giving him just a three-year fat deal, maybe three years, $85 million. I know you probably don't want to pay guys, you know, 25-plus just for pitchers, the guys who are only going to pitch every fifth day. But if he's going to be a Cy Young guy for the next three seasons, I, I think it's worth it. As a deal, and I'm not sure if last year was an aberration. He only has one other year under his belt where he looked as good as last season. But if it's not an aberration, if he's really this quality of a guy, then I think three years, 85, 90 million dollars. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's gonna be near 30, but it's gonna be a short-term deal. I wouldn't give him one of those seven years massive long-term deals, but a short-term massive deal, I wouldn't be too afraid to do that. Now, I want to talk about my biggest highlight for the Arizona Diamondbacks this season, and it might not be something you guys even consider the biggest highlight of the D-backs this season as well, because my biggest highlight for this team, this is personal, my opinion, and you guys probably won't agree because I believe the highlight of the season came in a loss, and hear me out. This has to do with the way Zach Gallon performed because we know how good Zach Gallon has been the last two seasons. We know about his streak, a consecutive streak of starts made to start your career by allowing three earned runs or fewer. We know he set the record for that. But I think I really realized how dominant of a guy Zach Gallon was. What the, the performance that really opened my eyes to the ceiling that Zach Gallon has is that September 2nd start that he had against the LA Dodgers. They lost this game, but Zach Allen, this one, went seven innings, gave up one hit, no earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. It was a masterful performance by Zach Allen. And on that day, his career, his ERA hit a season low, not a career low, hit a season low, 
after that start. And that was basically the best version of Zach Allen. And he went against the World Series winning team and it completely shut down that lineup. That Dodgers lineup, we know how stacked it is. They have two MVP guys in that lineup. And on that day, Zach Allen comes completely shut them down. He gave them a mix of all the stuff he has. He threw 63 strikes on his 97 pitches. He was efficient. He went deep into the ball game and he never put his team in harm's way. So I think that was a highlight of the season because it just made you realize, hey, the D-backs really have something special here in Zach Allen. And this guy is able to perform like this for the next few seasons. Then it doesn't necessarily matter about that Madison Bumgarner contract. He would only have to be the number two, maybe number three starter in this rotation. Because as long as you guys Zach Allen on this team, you got an ace, you got a top line starter or a true number one guy, a guy who can win a Cy Young. And as long as you got a Cy Young award candidate on your roster, then you're more likely than not to at least have a chance to be able to compete. And it's a lot easier to build your team around a guy like Zach Allen. It's a lot easier to make moves knowing you have that ace already locked up. Then you only have to figure out the rest of the rotation. And when you already have a guy like Ketel Marte, then you just got to figure out the lineup around them. So D-backs have at least have two core players in both their lineup and rotation. And if they can successfully build around those two, then they could be a true playoff contender. Pitching is so important in baseball, and a guy like Zach Allen can make it can make or break a season for you if he's healthy, and he can definitely turn some ball games. But you have to get him some run support. You got to get him some offense because Zach Allen never got any run support last season. I mean, if you just look at his uh, wins and losses, he didn't get his first win of the season until his seventh start. And mind you, he didn't give up more than two earned runs in any of his first six starts. So. D-backs have to get some offense for Zach Gallon. Got to give him some run support because he's the kind of guy, I don't want him to go down like a Jacob DeGrom where he's a great elite pitcher, Cy Young candidate, but on an awful team and we never get to see him in the postseason. So please, D-backs, go help out my guy, Zach Gallon. Now we'll get into that AZ Snake Pit review of Paven Smith, but first... Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer. There is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. And I think I'm going to be placing some wagers on NFL's Game of the Week. That Packers versus Titans game got me intrigued. Packers haven't really gone against any good teams. They only beaten one team with a winning record the whole season. That was back in the early part of the season. So mark me down for the Titans running all over the Pattons, uh, all over the Packers this weekend. And don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKDOWN to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in, this, in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code LOCKDOWN for your sign-up bonus. Hashtag betonline. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. And I told you guys 
I had a crazy stat about Robbie Ray. This is courtesy of MLB.com, and this is all about the true outcomes, which means the three true outcomes, which means strikeouts, walks, and home runs. And for Robbie Ray, he was the king of this for pitchers. Usually we talk about batters when it comes to this, like a Joey Gallo or Adam Dunn, because he's a big home run guy. He's, he walks a good amount, but he also strikes out a ton. So Robbie Ray is basically the pitcher version of Adam Dunn because in 2020, he faced 251 batters. But over half of them, he either walked them, struck them out, or gave them a home run. And... What's even crazier is he walked 11 more he walked 11 more batters than any other pitcher in 2020 but yet he didn't even have enough innings to qualify for the ERA title. So think about that. Walked more guys than any other pitcher in baseball but if he had let's say a 1-2 ERA, it wouldn't even qualify for the ERA title because he didn't even pitch enough innings to qualify for it. So that tells you just how bad his control was in the 2020 season. That tells you how many dudes he was putting on base just by walking them. And the craziest thing is pitchers with at least 50 innings pitch in a season don't have strikeouts per nine, walks per nine, and home runs per nine that even come close to raise numbers. Even if you lower their standards to 10 strikeouts per nine, six walks per nine, two home runs per nine, Robbie Ray still stands alone. No one in baseball history has come close to Robbie Ray's 11.8 strikeouts per nine, 7.8 walks per nine, and 2.3 home runs per nine. That was the that was the biggest mark in MLB history. No one's ever done that before. No one's ever had a stat line like that before. No one's a strikeout artist like Robbie Ray that can also put guys on base and give up home runs the same amount as Robbie Ray. So Robbie Ray is just in a class of his own. He's just an enigma. I find Robbie Ray so intriguing but I am so glad he's not on the Arizona Dimebacks no more anymore I should say he was so infuriating to watch he made my blood curdle most of the time made my blood boil most of the time he was so frustrating to watch I'm glad he's on another team they can deal with his frustrations uh, I mean after that 2017 season we never got to see the best of Robbie Ray ever again so I'm glad he's not on the Arizona Diamondbacks anymore I wish him the best but man that stat line is just insane now let's get to that Paven Smith AZ snake pit review because Paven Smith He's had a maybe underwhelming career, to, to say the least. I mean, he was the seventh overall pick in 2017, but I don't think he's been bad. I just don't think he's lived up to the expectations of a number seventh pick. And about a month ago, Paven Smith was actually on the podcast. So go back and listen to the interview we did with Paven Smith if you guys missed out on that. But let's talk about his 2020 season because... Paven Smith, he was drafted because he had great discipline coming out of college, but what he didn't have was necessarily any power. He did hit his first home run of his professional career till his second season in the Arizona farm system, but even though he didn't really have any power, he was at least a good hitter. Down in Hillsboro, he was a 318 hitter. Now, when he got to AA, his numbers did take a dip. People thought he was going to be a bust based on his numbers that he was putting up in AA, but he made a few minor adjustments and it brought his stat line way up and it actually brought his stat line to pretty great numbers, a 291 batting average, 370 OBP, and a 466 slugging. You can definitely... Uh, live with that. He had a 100-point increase in his OPS. He even won Player of the Month honors for July 2019 in the Southern League, and his 
A35 OPS was the third highest in the league. But Haven Smith, we thought he was going to have a chance to start this year in Reno. But of course, uh, the pandemic ended that. We never got to see him in the minor leagues this season. But we did get to see him on the major league level. And on September 10th, when the team designated Jake Lamb for assignment, it gave Haven Smith an opportunity to show his stuff on the big league level. I mean, with the D-backs being such an awful team this season, they had a bunch of dudes from their minor league system coming up and they were giving them an opportunity to show themselves. And Haven Smith made his major league debut in right field. Even though he's primarily a first baseman, he made his debut in right field and he ended up going one for four against the Mariners on September 12th. His first hit coming as a single in the ninth inning versus uh, coming off a former Arizona Dimeback reliever. And Paven Smith continued to have a pretty decent season for the Arizona Diamondbacks down the stretch. He played the corner outfield spots. He played some first base. And he looked good at the plate. His numbers weren't insane, but a 270 batting average, 341 OBP, 405 slugging. You can definitely live with those numbers. And his plate discipline was still excellent. He walked 11.4% of the time. Now, Still, the biggest issue with Paven Smith is his lack of power. When you look at his stat cast, his exit velocity is only about 86.6 miles per hour off the bat, so it's not that strong. He's only getting the barrel to the bat, uh, the barrel to the ball 6.5% of the time, and his hard contact rate this season was 29%. So those numbers are pretty much below average. And the other issue Paven Smith has is his launch angle. It was only a meager 8.1. It's a reason why 45% of his hits resulted in ground balls or at least 45% of the balls he put in play resulted in grounders and he has excellent uh play discipline he has great contact he just needs to get the barrel to the ball more and he just needs to increase his launch angle if he could get the ball in the air just a little bit more it'll probably lead to more home runs he already has the contact he can hit the ball solid there's just not a lot of power with his bat right now. And for a first baseman, you need to have that power. And for Paven Smith, there's probably not a clear line to more playing opportunity in 2021. If he wants to play more in 2021, he's probably going to have to platoon with Christian Walker. His biggest issue is that he's a lefty. The D-backs already have like three or four other left-handers already in their lineup on this uh, you know, roster already. So that's going to be a little bit of an issue for Paven Smith, but... If he can prove that he has that power, then he probably will be the long-term first base option over a guy like Christian Walker, who is going to be entering his 30s. He is about 30 years old, I believe. I can look it up for you guys real quick. But Christian Walker probably is not a long-term option for the D-backs. He's been pretty good for them uh, in the short couple of seasons he's been there. He's still only actually 29 years old, but... When you're talking about a player of the future, when you're talking about a guy like Paven Smith with probably a little bit more upside than a guy like Christian Walker, they might want to go the Paven Smith route, but they need to see that power first. They know he's not going to strike out a lot. They know he can get on base. They know he can get singles, but they need those gap power doubles. They need those raw power home runs, and Paven Smith hasn't displayed that a ton, so Paven Smith can work on getting that launch angle improved, getting the barrel to the ball more. Then Paven Smith could be uh, a real first baseman for this team and really be the first baseman of the future for the Arizona Dimebacks. So I'm excited for Paven Smith. Go listen to the podcast if you haven't listened to it when Paven Smith was on here. And he was a really great guy, so I'm really rooting for Paven Smith in 2021. 
Now that's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. It's Christmas, everyone, so please go enjoy your Christmas. Hope everyone is having a great day. And remember, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!